Well, it's the end of a long week, folks, and Matt Derrick has been kind enough to come join us again. As he broke down camp, so did the Chiefs. A lot going on there. We're going to get into where they are right now going into week two. We'll be right back. Welcome to Locked On Chiefs. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Matt Derrick, Chiefs Digest, another one in the books. Congratulations on finishing training camp. Yeah, we made it. Everybody made it safely <laughs> through camp. It is over. I literally just got home a few minutes ago. So, nice. uh, yeah, for me, training camp is over, and it's starting to get pretty much like a game week, even though we don't have games for another three weeks or so. Yeah, right. It, it's interesting because I, I thought just – and obviously I was only there two days, but as I was getting ready to, to pack up, and I'm going to get on a flight here in a little bit, I took a look just at the the roster report. And yes, there's there's Kyle Long. LDT broke his hand. Okay, we get that. But other than this thing with Frank that just popped up yesterday, and Andy says that it's not a big deal, this was actually a pretty well-conducted camp that didn't lead to a lot of conditions that you have to worry about in week one. Yeah, I, that stands out to me. I mean, you know, there's a there's a couple of things lingering, but honestly, I mean, uh, I think the Chiefs started the day with really only three players not on the field um, working out, and you know, a couple of those guys are even on you know reserve list and everything. So um, there's that. I mean, Derek Nottie's got the hip, Frank Clark the hamstring. I mean, that's it. I mean, other than that, maybe a few nicks and dings here and out there, and and some and there were some injuries earlier in camp, but. This is a ridiculously healthy club heading back to Kansas City. And the fact that, yeah, you haven't lost anybody for the season. Um, no starters, you know, for the most part. I mean, nobody's in serious danger at this point. That's a remarkably odd camp. I mean, this this team, this club is in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, I don't know if it's rabbit's feet or or what's going on. but And not to discount Elijah McGuire. I know he's going to IR. It does happen, but uh, he was a, a borderline guy to make the roster in the first place. No offense to him at all, but... Like this reminds me of 19 that they survived pretty well in terms of con- considerable injuries. Anyway, there's always the nagging things, but I-, I like the way that it's gone so far. We know that there's two preseason games left. Now practice is going to shift back to uh, Kansas city and let's hope that they can maintain that there. If they can, if they enter this with just, I'm guessing long on the pup, do you see anything else coming up there? I mean, uh, long on the pup and maybe LDT starting the season on, on IR when I mean, we will see. I mean, the, the Chiefs have not been very specific about either one of those other than, you know, with LDT, they they haven't gone into this complete details. But remember, any reads that was very similar to what Dan Sorensen went through a couple of seasons ago, and that was with a, like a tibia flat, you know, plateau fracture. Um, by that kind of timeline and the same recovery, yeah, I mean, Long could be ready near the beginning of the season, but, um, you know, keeping him on the pup list, I mean, that would be meaning out, being out for the first six weeks wouldn't be the worst thing in the world as far as just allowing him time to get to be fully recovered at 100%. And and, and honestly, I mean, the Chiefs actually are pretty deep right now. I mean, I think they could still be keeping nine offensive linemen and feel like that they're in pretty good shape, even if they don't have Long and LDT on the roster in week one. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be fun. And obviously, we've talked offensive line all offseason. But uh, they may, went out of their way to throw a few passes to him today as they wrapped up camp in front of the military. Glad they were there. you know. But quick walk through one of the more fun practices, if you want to call one fun. Um, is this leading towards, hey, these guys have skills maybe? Do you think there's still a shopping thing going on with Andrew Wiley or anyone else? 
Uh, hey, with Andy Reid and, and throwing the football to anybody, I mean, I, you never rule anything out. I mean, the guy's got, you know, like probably has plays on, on the back of a napkin somewhere. It's got the ball going to any, any number of people. Um, I, I, I put a lot of what we probably saw on the final day up to Andy Reid trying to give the fans just a little bit of pizzazz on the final day. Um, yeah, they worked on some, some, some fake special teams, you know, scenarios on, on the, on, on the last day. How many of those would they would actually pull out? You know, hey, they could. I mean, we saw Tommy Townsend got a got a gun. He showed a little bit more touch uh, on two, on Wednesday. So, you know, he's got now he's got that club in his bag. But yeah, I think a lot of that was probably just for the fans. But you never know. Well, one thing that was not for the fans was this thing, and I've seen it before. I think McColl did it as a rookie. This parking lot foot race thing. Um, that's just for the players. You can see the crowd of players and how excited they are. There's one guy in the back. I think it's Tyron, but I'm not certain. Just elated with luxurious need actually pulling ahead of Byron Pringle. Is this something that the coaching staff just cringes about, like running on asphalt for no reason? I mean, I would think that they have to, but you know, you look at that video that Colin Saunders posted. I mean, there certainly looks like there's some, if not members of the coaching staff, and at least club <laughs> personnel. <laughs> You know, involved in this and, and taking part in it and not like, you know, on the phone saying, yeah, hey, you know, somebody needs to get out here and maybe put a stop to this. Uh, but, you know, I mean, hey, nobody gets hurt. And, and hey, and the Chiefs allow their teams, their guys to do a lot of things and everything. This kind of find a camaraderie. And that's the biggest thing to take away from that. I mean, you saw, you know, just you saw everybody out there having a good time and coming to the end of camp. And and that was probably in stark contrast to the practice because the practice itself was not very good. I mean, yeah, it was a run through that's supposed to just be, you know, a p- offense passing the ball around and defense optional. And even offense was dropping passes and there wasn't anybody covering them. Um, so yeah, that was in school last day for the seniors run around the parking lot. Yeah. Is it the safest thing in the world? Probably not, but nobody got hurt. So nobody's going to complain. Yeah. Keep it that way. I'm pretty excited about this. I think when we get from back from this, we're going to get into where they are in a couple of positions and a couple of, uh, you know, crazy loopholes that they threw at us this week. I have a couple of questions for you. We'll do that. And I want to tell you about our friends and sponsors, rockauto.com, where they can save you not only money, but time. And time might be the more important because it takes time to go to a store and find out what they have in stock. See if it fits your make, model, car, truck, whatever it is. You can go to rockauto.com and save both time and money. It's important. Why choose to spend 50 or 100% more plus lose time when you go to a physical store? You can go to rockauto.com and get it all at one time. Rockauto is a family business, and they've been doing this for 20 years. They make things easy, and their prices are reliably low, and they're for everybody. Whether it's a professional or a keep-it-up-your-do-it-yourself kind of guy like me, um, my truck keeps running because of things like rockauto.com. I want you to check that out because they have everything from brake parts all the way up to air filters and everything else that you may need for your car or truck. Go there, explore their website. Check it out. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And at the end of the day, it's about saving you that time and money. So rockauto.com right now. Get the, the parts that are available for your car. Right in locked on when they have that little, how did you hear about us box? Let them know that we sent you. Uh, amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Now, Matt, I tweeted about it, and you have to tell me, like, what's going on with the safety position? What happened Wednesday? Who was playing with Dan Sorensen and Tyron Matthew? Yeah, that is that is the oddest mystery of, of camp right now is what's going on at safety position because – 
Yeah, it's pretty clear Tyron, Tyron Matthew and Dan Sorensen are the top two safeties. They've been the entire camp and nothing's really changed in that sense. But, you know, starting after this game over the weekend, we've seen a change as far as the depth chart goes. And Zane Anderson, who, you know, I, I, I jokingly called Dan Sorensen 2.0 back during the draft even, um, too many similarities, undrafted safety from BYU. I mean, that's Dan Sorensen 2.0. Uh, right. He's been running as the number three this week. And that's, you know, even Armani Watts was getting, you know, some reps kind of at the number three earlier in the week. Um, but Zane Anderson's been a, kind of been there, and it's been Juan Thornhill and Devin Key dropping down to the point where, you know, Thornhill's getting a lot of snaps and reps with the threes even this week. Wow. Um, it seemed to balance out a little bit this to, uh, on the final day, but it was still um, Zane Anderson at the three, basically Thornhill coming up next, and then, you know, uh, Watson Key. Um, what's going on? It's anybody's guess. I mean, it certainly seems like somebody's being sent a message. But at this point, we don't know who's who, who's sending the message and who's supposed to be intended for. Um, Juan Thornhill certainly seems to be obviously the biggest part of that question and mix. Um, we just don't know. I mean, because everything from the outside <clears throat> seems fine that, you know, that, that Thornhill's been playing reasonably well. You know, certainly I think that you're still a little bit of rustiness that we've seen at, at times. Um, but the fact that he's not consistently running as the number three right now, I think it's a serious concern because it's indicating that there's something that's either just not right, either either Thornhill is just not right physically or the Chiefs aren't happy with something that Thornhill's doing. Uh, that's my concern is what we don't know because physically I watch his movement. I, it, he, he looks pretty solid to me too. Maybe just a, a touch waiting for that, that full go blast off kind of phase. But just as recently as yesterday, I still felt, and, and I said it multiple times for, for those of you who heard all my comments on Thornhill yesterday, this is a, a second day in a row, like you said. This is possibly a message not intended for him, but he sure, certainly should be paying attention. I thought it was it was not still a big deal. I thought it was conserving him for quality reps as late as yesterday. And then today, this this feels a little bit differently to me. I think it, this game in particular for Juan Thornhill is going to be critical in seeing, is he going to get back up to where he's playing significant snaps as the number three safety in week one of the regular season? I just don't know how to gauge it. Do you have anything to go on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting you touch on, you know, the idea that maybe just managing his workload. Um, but remember then, I mean, you know, they didn't, the Chiefs really didn't cut him back as far as going into that the Saturday night's game. And then he played the second most defensive snaps. I mean, he played, had 40 reps on Saturday night. So there was no really resting him that much in the game. And then they come back. And and honestly, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a reduction in workload with Juan Thornhill because it was he was still playing snaps. He, he was still getting probably about the same number of looks that he would normally get. It was just with the twos and the threes. And, and then when you throw in the, 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 the subtweeting of Juan Thornhill on social media and you get some of those reactions, that's, that begs the questions. Um, and, and Andy Reid didn't really address them. I mean, other than, you know, hey, telling us not to read too much into it. Well, usually when you tell us not to read too much into it, we're going to read exactly what we want to into it. <laughs> that's that's the reaction that you're going to get when you say, hey, look over there. <laughs> okay, it is what it is. But the Jedi mind tricks are not working right now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is not, not the, the one the, Thornhill you're looking for. No, not working. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. I stomped on you there. <laughs> <laughs> we're both doing the same joke, man. I love it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're stuck in the desert. We got to do the same thing, but. This, for me, 
I know that we've said, hey, the ones are going to get most of the time this this second preseason game uh, in the first half, et cetera. I still feel like like they need to limit Mahomes. Uh, I think if anything, they want to get more time for the rookie trio on the offensive line. But when it comes to that safety group, is is the rotation? Does it need to be more in order to continue to explore who can step into that third role, possibly? Yeah, I mean, and that's an alternative you know that we haven't really touched on yet, which is that you know this could just be a position where the Chiefs know what they've got or feel like that they know what they've got, and some guys are giving some other players a chance and a look. Um, you know, Anderson's interesting because you know, like I said, I mean, he, he in kind of a lot of ways fits that that Dan Sorensen mold. And he's a guy that could play safety, but line up in the box. I mean, that was the what he did at BYU. And there's actually a value in a player like that. So I can certainly see. I mean, remember, this is the Chiefs aren't game planning right now. But one thing that they are starting to do at this point in the season is at least treat it like a game week as far as their preparation goes. So, you know, even with trying to create some scout team looks and this kind of thing, you know, they're treating this so that the starters and the guys who are going to play are getting the most work and they're getting the most prep. That's why I say, you know, and Andy Reid says, like, like with Mike Rimmers running up a light, uh, you know, the second team left tackle and where that's going. This is all about this week. I mean, Mike Rimmers wasn't going to start at right tackle with the ones this week. So you're going to put together the line that's going to start. If you want Zane Anderson to get some looks, he needs to be working with the ones this week. And then you give him those looks in the game. That means that whatever whatever has happened the last three days in practice doesn't necessarily have any being you know, what's going to happen next week. I mean, all of this is really getting ready for Arizona and having everybody ready to play in this game. So a lot of things could change next week. And honestly, things do change when the club goes back to Kansas City and there's not a public anymore. There's not as many eyes. They can do things a little bit more behind closed doors, even though the media is going to be there. There's a lot of things that for us are off the record that we can't report. So things will change, and and sometimes there's a method to the madness as far as that goes, and we could be seeing that, that some of the things that we've seen the last few days have all just been about getting the guys who are going to play the most ready, and I think you're right. I mean, you know, Andy did say that probably the, the ones would start most of the first half, and then the twos and threes in the second. I would not expect Mahomes to be out there for an entire half. Um, probably see Chad Henney getting a, a drive or two with the with the second first-team offense. It wouldn't even surprise me if we started seeing the the threes mixing in at the end of the first half. Yeah, I, I think that's probably prudent just all the way around. Um, a lot of questions on the other side of the ball. I want to get to that. We'll do that coming up next. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to make all your sports action bets. Baseball season through the roof, NBA, NHL, obviously football, even UFC and MMA. Before the next contest, go to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the sporting news, the odds, the bonuses, everything you need to place your action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs at playoffs or even a brand new season. Head over to the website, use your device, and check it out today. You'll receive a 50% bonus on your deposit. That's 50% on top of what you deposit at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And use the promo code Locked On. Let them know that we sent you over there. So, Matt, in the last segment, a lot of hey, calm it down, don't get too fired up. Is this is this a possibility that we don't need to worry about week one until week one? Absolutely. I mean, you know, even though I think that the lineup 
by and large is set and and i'm expecting to have you know by the time probably people are listening to this hopefully my my initial kind of 53 breakdown and, and roster breakdown will be out there and i'm gonna do it i'm trying to do it a little bit the way that the chiefs do it internally which is you know putting together who's on the 53 who's on the bubble who's still a long shot because i think that that gives you an indication about where you know the the, the teams themselves think they are at this point roster is not set i mean it's august 18th at this point so the roster is not set in stone by any stretch of the imagination. Guys are going to be playing their way off, you know, the end of the roster. Now, are there 40 some odd guys that have probably made this 53 and it's set in stone barring injury? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably a safe bet. It's just those final decisions that still have to be made. And that's still a fairly you know large number. And then you throw in the, the guys fighting in practice, practice squad spots. I mean, there's still a lot of jobs up for consideration. So no, nothing, nothing, nothing right now, especially this far out from the regular season starting. It's set in stone. One of the ones in particular that I kind of got thrown for a loop this week because I thought one of the guys on the bubble was Antonio Callaway. See his release. I know there's an injury involved. I don't know the extent of it or how severe that is, but that changes everything for me about this 53 man, especially spots four and five. Obviously, I think we're comfortable with who one through four is. What does that give you in terms of like, who are you looking for that now has an opportunity? to grab a little bit more chance to make this roster? Who, who will you be focused on against the Cardinals? Yeah, it narrows it down a little bit. I mean, and that's, that's to me, I think, is what it just does is just narrow it down because Callaway was certainly in the mix. Um, the injury blocked all that out. I mean, not being able to, to, to compete of late. And with the injury, with the with what their team was calling, been calling a bone bruise, he wasn't going to be back at any point soon. So that really removed him from the competition. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, I think there's four spots locked up. I think there's one or two spots left to go. And it's really down to me between Marcus Kemp, uh, Reese, Reese Fountain, Jarius, Darius Shepard, and, Cole, and Cornell Powell. And if I can keep from calling Cornell Powell, Colin Powell, it's going to be a miracle. Uh, <laughs> almost did it again. Great there. author. Um, but those four guys for one or two spots, I think what we're really looking for. Um, Shepard's an interesting case because he's primarily going to make the team as a, as a return specialist. So if he's going to make the team, he's got to have a great performance in the return game, kick and punt, and make it so that, you know, that it's not a question, that he's clearly the better choice over a McCole Hardman or Byron Pringle or a Mike Hughes. Um, Marcus Kemp has a great advantage, and I would probably say that he's probably in the, in the running for the, one of those spots right now as being the top guy because he's getting some runs with the ones as far as snap count goes in, in practice. And obviously, we you know, it's tremendous special teams value. Um, Reese Fountain is really interesting because this is a guy with a lot of talent. He's a big guy like Kemp, um, but maybe a little bit more experienced and polished as a receiver um, for being somebody that, you know, play that X role. And I got a chance to talk to him earlier this week. And, you know, he mentioned that he's going back to his dorm room at, you know, at night at practice and he's watching film of Sammy Watkins because uh-huh. he's, you know, that's what his model is and what he's trying to play. So uh, he's a really interesting, you know, option for this team too. So, a lot of different ways, but I think it's down to those four guys for sure for those last two spots. And, you know, as far as Powell goes, I mean, does this mean that he's not a lock? Yeah. I mean, he's squarely on the bubble because he's kind of played himself into that spot. And I mean, it has, hey, a draft pick is always going to have a, a firm chance at grabbing one of those spots and holding on to it. But Powell hasn't done that yet. I mean, I, I, I thought he had a couple of really good snaps on Saturday. Um, but he needs to be more consistent in practice and he needs to keep doing those games because he's firmly in that bubble group right now. 
Well, I think it's a positive sign, actually, if they have to put another practice squad. Because if you're drafting someone you feel has the skills to play the game, and then there are other players that surpass him in camp, that, that's a positive for the team going into the season. Yeah, and you know, and it wouldn't be uh, unheard of for a draft pick to be kind of a redshirt. Um, Demarcus Robinson was was essentially that. I mean, he was primarily a special teams player only his rookie year, and that's happened with. I mean, that happens with a lot of receivers in an Andy Reid offense. Because guess what? Playing receiver for Andy Reid is really really hard. I mean, there's only about four or five guys who've really thrived as rookies under Andy Reid, and obviously Ty, Tyree Kill is one of them. Um, but every, every other guys, I mean, you know, hey, Chris Conley was a higher round pick yep. than than Cornell Powell, and, and he was nothing spectacular his rookie year. So it just illustrates that, that yeah, I mean, even for a fifth round pick, you know, hey, sometimes it clicks, sometimes it doesn't. And just because Powell ends up on, if, if he ends up on the practice squad, that's not a, a failure at this point. It's just a reflection that, hey, a lot of guys need time, and and, and fitting into an Andy Reid offense, year one, it's no slam dunk. I, th- I think that's the one to watch. On the other side of the ball, for me, it is. I know uh, Hughes had a pick in practice today, obviously. Um, lightweight practice. Let's not overdo that. Um, and I'll try not to either, folks. <laughs> but like this battle for the third, I feel, is, is really still back and forth. I still like what Fenton did. I didn't see anything that Rashad Fenton did in the last preseason game to make me think, oh, he's not in it. But it feels like this is coming to a head between the two of them. I think Baker's probably a little bit farther behind physically. I don't think he's 100% at this point. Um, I don't know how he could be, to be honest. But I think he's also primarily outside player. So at this point, is it Fenton Hughes for the nickel duties here or or the guy that comes in and puts need into the nickel? Yeah, that's every indication that I get is that, hey, it's Ward and Snead are the top two for sure. And then it's a battle for that third spot between Fenton and Hughes. And and the winner, it's certainly going to be determined largely by who plays better. But honestly, another factor of it is, is where do you want Legereus Snead to play? And I think that the Chiefs are very comfortable with right now with Legereus Snead being a guy that starts on the outside in the base and kicks inside to the nickel on, and plays on the inside in the slot and sub packages. If that's the case, then Mike Hughes is probably the number better choice, choice for the number three because he, he's certainly more experienced on the outside. He's had some success. He looks really comfortable. If if the Chiefs decide no, I mean that hey, we want Snead to play on the outside primarily and just stay in one spot and not move around, then Finn's going to be a much more logical choice for the slot because he's better there than Mike Hughes, much more comfortable. I mean. Fenton has the flexibility that he can play both, whereas Mike Hughes is primarily just going to be an outside guy. So I, I really get the sense that from everybody that I've talked to that, hey, this team wants Snead to be able to move around and have that flexibility. I think it, it makes their their defense a little bit more complicated as an offense trying to break it down if you can move guys around. So Snead playing you know, both those spots helps, which to me, and I think at, the, at least the snaps that we've seen over the last week, week and a half, I'd say Hughes has that edge. And then you go down the next. Yeah, Baker, I think, has the lead for what would certainly be a fifth spot. Um, but it's now I, primarily to him and Bo Pete Keys. I mean, there's some other guys that are still in the mix and could play their way in. And I would not be surprised if the Chiefs are given, you know, some of these young guys. The Caprio Boodles had some some looks here and there. I wouldn't be surprised if those guys get some looks just to see what they've got. But I, I'd be pretty safe to say that those, those six guys that we mentioned it's going to be a combination of four or five of those guys on the roster. Gotcha. The interesting thing to me, when I look at all these guys and last, last thing, just a brief note, 
all of them, I feel, are better with their hands on the receivers up in man coverage. Not necessarily press. I know Hughes has had some some hiccups in Minnesota with, with getting beat off of the press. That's fine. Um, but I think they all, in contact, have the advantage over when they're playing in space primarily. Although we've seen Fenton do zone drops and, and actually make some very nice plays out, out of zone in space. But do you think that this could help Steve Spagnuolo get back to playing more man and being able to change that up aspect in terms of zone versus? Yeah, I think it could. And, I, and it certainly seems like it's been a, a trend at training camp of things, at least that, that they are working on. Uh, I think that would fit a little bit better about what Spags wants to do. And I think it even fits better with what, you know, Sam Madison and Dave Merritt wants from that secondary, too. So I think that's overall the certainly the plan. And, you know, with the guys that they have brought in over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, a, a pretty growing trend. That's what the, they've been going to try and try and go for. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. And I think you're right. I mean, to me, I mean, I think that's that's when that group is most effective. So. I think we're going to see more of it, but, you know, it's going to be really hard to tell for sure until we get to, to week one, because the, this, this team, I mean, I think they proved on Saturday, offensively and defensively, they're going to go as vanilla as they can in these preseason games. Yeah. Keep it keep it close to your chest. I get that. Well, once again, congratulations. You made it through another camp, as so did we all. Let's enjoy this game, folks. Enjoy Friday night. Matt, thanks for all the time. As usual, catch you next week. Absolutely, and appreciate everybody out there following along with us. Yep. Folks, like, sub, do the thing on YouTube. Uh, iTunes reviews are always great. And please check out Spotify, the alternates, in case Apple does its thing again. We will be back with you. Uh, We'll have a little bit post-game as well. Uh, Enjoy this weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.